all miracles and must make the most of our limited time here. Each of us have these unique gifts to contribute to the world and it's our job to develop these gifts and give them away. That's why I created the Preschool SLP podcast. The Preschool SLP is about working smarter to create real change in ourselves and in others. Being an SLP is a mission. Let's discuss topics that matter. What are the game-changing strategies? How can we treat the whole child? How can we create the shiniest versions of ourselves and of our clients? We're here at the drawing board for a reason. You bring your own unique gifts. Together, let's create better. we're going to talk about the most pivotal aspect of your practice when it comes to your outcomes, and that is going to be your goals. So your goals are probably going to account for 80% of how effective you are going to be. These are your treatment targets, and we're going to want to pick these really wisely. So in the last episode, in episode 103, I talked about the goals and the guiding principles when you're writing your goals and what to think about. In this episode, I'm going to talk about what not to do. So these are what not to do when you're writing speech goals, when you're writing language goals, when you're writing AAC goals. Don't do these things. These are ineffective practices. So why are we talking about goals? And that's because of, we're going to apply the Pareto's principle. And the Pareto principle is that 20% of what you do will account for 80% of the outcome. So when we look at the 20%, that's going to be our treatment targets and our goals and what we're going to focus on. This is very important. It's kind of like food. If you want to be healthy, you need to eat healthy. And if you eat healthy, that's going to probably account for 80% of how healthy you are going to function. Now, goals are what you ingest. These are the treatment targets. They're going to account for 80% of how effective you're going to be in improving the child's communication skills. So we haven't devoted one episode to this. We've devoted two episodes to this. And I know many of you have been on vacation, but I encourage you to listen to both because this is such an important topic. So the Pareto principle in different aspects of life, we see that it applies. For instance, if you're a competitive swimmer, 80% of your attention is going to focus on what you do with your arms. It's not going to be on the kick. And that's because how you move your arms is going to account for 80% of how fast you are in the water. So if you've ever seen Bledecki, the Olympic swimmer, she is all arms and she barely ever moves her feet. And that's because she understands to take all of her effort and focus it on that one thing. Now, we talk about here, the goals are that one thing. Your treatment targets are going to account for 80% of how effective you are. 
So let's dive into the treatment targets. And we're going to start with speech. And we're going to look at two things that I would say don't do. These are don'ts when it comes to speech goals. Then we're going to look at language in two areas where I say these are a don't do. And then lastly, we're going to look at AAC. And I'm going to say these are two things I say don't do. So let's roll up our sleeves and get into our goals. Now, if you're interested in the step-by-steps, the frameworks, examples of what these goals look like, join my Facebook group. That's the Preschool SLP colon Kelly Vest SLP. It's the same name as the podcast. In my Facebook group, I am currently hosting a workshop. In that workshop, we're looking at day one, speech goals. Day two, language goals. And day three, it's AAC. So it's three hours total. It's three hours very well spent. I'm going to walk you through what to do, what not to do, and why. And then lastly, give you examples of how to write these goals. So let's dive into the speech don'ts. So for the speech don'ts, this is what I've seen and I don't recommend. Number one, writing goals about speech and isolated sounds. So for instance, if you want to work on the K sound, you're writing CV goals and isolated syllables. So you're saying the child will produce the cuss sound and CV syllable or an isolation. Why do I not recommend doing this? And that's because speech is a continuous motor act. The further away that you get from speech in your very limited speech therapy, the harder it's going to be to generalize. So because speech is this continuous motor act, it's kind of like swinging a golf club. Now, you're not going to go to a golf club coach who's going to stop you mid-swing and say, we're just going to practice the first 10% of the swing, and then you're going to get better. Then we're going to practice the next 10%. Then we're going to practice the next 10%. Because golf club swinging is a continuous motor action like speech, you're going to practice it in a continuous manner. So how are you going to do that? You're going to slow down. And by slowing down and taking out all of your cues, you're going to ensure accuracy. But we're not going to stop and do discrete movements because speech is not a discrete movement process. It's a continuous movement process. So that's the first don't for speech goals. The second don't for speech goals are writing goals in which the child is producing the target at less than 80% accuracy. Now, let me clarify here what I mean by that. When you're going to your annual goal, your benchmark, okay, in a year from now, I want to see the child producing this target on a standardized test or in a connected speech sample. That can be any percentage you want. So the child's at 0%. I want to see 50% of the time on a speech test. 50% of the time, I want to see it in connected speech sample. That makes sense. However, the objectives and how you're going to achieve that annual goal, that should spell out the how. That should spell out, this is how you're going to get from A to Z for parents and for other parents stakeholders to participate in this. So we don't want to go below 80%. We never want to go below 80%. And that's because if we go below 80%, two things are happening. A, it's frustrating to be less than 80% of the time you're successful. And two, 
Practice makes imperfect just as it makes perfect. So you're practicing and habituating aired motor programs, aired motor planning. We don't want that. So we always want to be above 80%. So our objectives and the how we're going to get to the annual goal, we never want to go below an 80% criterion. And we want to do that with multimodal prompting. A lot of goals are written that the child will produce the sound correctly 80% of the time at the word level, 80% time at the sentence level, and then finally at connected speech, they're going to produce it 80% of the time. Now, the problem with that is that doesn't help the other stakeholders know how the child's going to do that. So I consider that a testing goal. That doesn't help the parent know this is how we're going to get to point Z. This is how we're going to make progress. These objectives are a really valuable learning experience moment. How often do you have time with the parent? You really do not because 90% of households in the U.S. are dual income. So when do you get this discussion time? It's during the intervention plan. It's when you share the goals. So what you want to do during this time is share the cues that you're going to use to get that child to accomplish that benchmark. So the first objective, you're going to talk about all of the tools in the toolbox that you're going to use for that child to produce that sound or that cluster. The second objective, you're going to talk about how you're going to fade out some of the cues. And my recommendation is fade out the speech cue, the verbal cue, as soon as possible and as much as possible. So parents are on board with the how and they can be intervention partners. So these are very important with the goals to not only never, ever, ever go below 80% when you get into your objectives, but also it's important to share what cues you are going to use and how you're going to fade those cues. It's a really important moment in which you can empower the parent to be an intervention partner. So let's look at language. So we're going to look at two don'ts when it comes to language. The first don't is writing goals that are very discreet in nature that will have very little impact on the child's life. So let me give you a little background. Children with developmental language delay are significantly more likely to have academic challenges, to have social emotional challenges, to experience abuse, to have academic failure, to have vocational failure even. So these are children that have stories to tell. So when we're working on their language skills, we need to ask, what is that one thing? What is that Pareto principle? This is going to change your life if I focus on this. And I'm going to tell you, without even knowing the child you're working with, grammatical morphemes will not change their lives. Working on the pronouns, working on the ED, working on the ING, working on the verb tense, pulling out those decks because there's a deck for all of it. There's bingo for all of it. There's a million teacher pay teacher games for all of that. 
working on that is not going to change the child's life. Think about that. Working on this goal, is that going to have an 80% impact on their communication skills? Working on grammatical morphemes? No. The answer to that is no. However, empowering these children to tell a story will. And why is that? Because when you're having the children tell a story, and I'm just going to show one of my language paragraph cards just to give you a visual if you're seeing this on YouTube. What are you doing? You are working on the most complex skill possible that not only has the most pragmatic relevance, the ability to describe your frustrations and your challenges when this is a child that is exponentially more likely to experience significant challenges and even traumas. Not only do you have that pragmatic skill that's much more important than a grammatical morphine, but it's complex. And challenge creates change. So you have this complex skill that you're working on in which the child's verbal working memory is taxed. The child is not remembering a couple of words or one word or grammatical morpheme. The child is remembering a paragraph. The child is sequencing multiple ideas in an organized manner. The child is using conjunctions and transitions. The child is explaining causal and temporal relationships. This is complex. So when we're looking at the storytelling, you have that cascading impact in which all of those easier skills will naturally develop because you're taking fireworks to the child's linguistic system. So how are we going to take fireworks to the child's linguistic system? It's not by picking grammatical morpheme goals. That's taking a chisel to the rock. Oomfa, oomfa, oomfa do. I'm having little or no impact on your life and we're wasting our time. However, when you decide that you are going to work on empowering this child to tell a story through story retelling tasks, through task and learning the story grammar, which will improve that procedural knowledge in which they know how to tell a story, that's when you're changing lives. That's a language goal that, in the Pareto principle sense of the manner, will account for 80% of this child's improvement in communication. Will the grammatical morpheme account for 80% improvement in the child's communication? No. So let's look at the next language don't. Focusing on what, yes, no, who, what, where, why, when, all of these questions in a discreet manner I used to write these goals, the child don't know who questions, 80% XA, what questions, 80% accuracy, what doing questions, 80% accuracy, where questions, 80% accuracy. What we want to do instead is focus on, drumroll please, how. 
And the reason I say we're focusing on the how is we want the child to, once again, I'm going to get out my paragraph if you haven't seen it, you want them to sequence multiple ideas together. You're going to tax the verbal working memory. You're going to have them lifting that hundred pound dumbbell. And by doing so, the five pound dumbbell what questions? The 10 pound dumbbell where questions, the 20 pound double win questions, the 50 pound why questions, those are going to more easily, spontaneously develop. So we want to think again about taking fireworks to that linguistic system through asking not the low-level, focusing reference in the low-level WH questions, but instead using your very limited time to focus on the how questions. I always talk about our time and our time is so valuable and our time is so limited and we only have 30 to 45 minutes a week to work with these children. But it's not really about our time. It's about their time. These children are at a time in which neuroplasticity is at the greatest level. So it really, really matters what goals you select and what goals you don't select. You need to focus on that one thing. You need to focus on that game changer. You need to focus on that goal where you can finish that sentence and you can say, and this will improve the child's communication skills by 80%. And what I'm going to say is by focusing on those discrete early WH questions, you're not going to do that. But if you focus on the how question in which the child is expected to sequence multiple ideas in a temporal, causal manner and express them, that's when you're changing this child's life. So the goals really matter. This I look at as empty calories. This is the garbage food. This is what we've been eating all week in the holidays. This is the chips, the crackers, the breads. We instead want to give them the sardines and Brussels sprouts. The sardines and Brussels sprouts, those are the how questions. The sardines and Brussels sprouts, those are the SKR blends. That's what's going to account for the outcomes. These are going to be the game changers. We want to pick these goals that are multi faceted and not only improving the child's speech, but also improving their language, also improving their literacy, also improving their social emotional skills. So think I'm picking goals that change lives here. So much of this next year in 2024, I want you to think of improving your life by letting go of the small stuff, letting go of the stuff that simply dilutes your and the child's time and focusing your efforts instead on changing lives. And you're going to focus on changing lives, very importantly, by picking goals that are pivotal, that are complex, that are challenging. And by by working on those goals, you're going to take fireworks to the child's speech system. You're going to take fireworks to the child's language system. You're going to take fireworks to the AAC system, system, which we're going to talk about next. 
So now we're going to talk about two don'ts when it comes to AAC. So the first don't, and this I've done for years, is exclusively focusing on the child's ability to request wants and needs. Yes, I'm the ultimate pragmatist, but that said, we use communication for more than just requests. So how are we going to want to write that goal instead? I want you in your goal to think about AAC as not being a menu that they can select things that they want, but think of it as instead as a way for children to communicate with a variety of pragmatic functions. So you could write that goal as the children communicate with a variety of pragmatic functions, When you're writing this goal, you can say that the child will use AAC for a variety of pragmatic purposes. You can put parentheses, e.g., for example, and you can write comment, comma, and you can write respond to others, comma, and you can write request in the end of parentheses. So we're all on the team thinking this AAC device is for the child to communicate for a variety of purposes, not just requests. The second don't when it comes to AAC devices is this. Don't tie yourself to a single device. For instance, today, when you've communicated, you used your phone, you've used your computer, you've used a pencil, you've used maybe a tablet, you've used push buttons here and there and everywhere. We use multimodal communication. We don't just use one singular mode of communicating. So with your goal, when you write that the child will use a non-specified AAC device. And you want to explain to parents, there's time where we're not going to have our device. We're not going to bring this expensive iPad to the beach, in the bathtub, any of these places that are really, really dangerous. And at this time, we'll use low-tech. We're going to have core boards available that the child can communicate when the device is charging. So we have more than one way to communicate for the child, and that's why we're going to write a non-specified AAC device. I know in the setting that I work in, I use LAMP with the children. I also use visual written sentence strips, sentence strips of the children, and visual cards that are from my SIS membership. And the children use all of these devices interchangeably. I don't want to limit the children. I do find that literacy and pointing to words that are on printed cardstock paper, laminated, has been really invaluable for improving their communication skills because many of my children with autism do not learn to speak from hearing the words. They learn to speak primarily from seeing the words. And I say seeing the words, I mean seeing the words in print. And there's some recent research coming out right now showing that children who are minimally speaking are also improving their language skills more when the printed word is paired with pictures and objects. So print is so important. It's just a side note, but put print everywhere if you work with children with autism. I would even on my television, if I was a parent, I would have the closed captions on. So that is the don'ts when it comes to goals today. I hope that you've enjoyed this episode and I hope I haven't said something that you do and that you are offended. Don't be. 
I don't understand your world and your back porch and your take on things. This is simply from my back porch and my viewpoint. And I respect that. That said, I encourage you, if you haven't yet already, make sure to join the Preschool SLP, Kelly Vess SLP Facebook group. Join that group and catch the three workshops that I did in that group. I promise you, if you know how I present, I don't do fluff. I just give you, this is what you need to know right now to write great goals. So make sure if you haven't yet already, join the SSLP Facebook group today and catch those boot camp workshops. Happy New Year to you. Thank you so much for being with me on the Preschool SLP podcast. This is our third year that we're going on. So this is yay. This is going to be a happy new year our third year. And it means so much to me that you are at my side. I don't know much about who you are, but Spotify shares with me, this is your podcast listener. And the characteristics they share with me are this. I don't know if this describes you, but highly intelligent. So that's one thing they have to say about my podcast listener. They also have to say that my listener tends to be adventurous and open-minded. So I think we're in really good company here, and I really appreciate you listening to this podcast and being here and growing with me. We have so much further to go, and I'm excited to see how far we go in each and every year, but we've come far going into year three so far. Thank you so much for being here. Make sure to roll up your sleeves and make the world a better place, one child at a time. You are always going to be first.